listening to The Edge, everything bass fishing, coming to you worldwide from Megawind Kill Guard Studios. Aaron, here we are, January 15th, our second episode of 2022, 368th overall episode of Bass Edge Radio. This is an important day, Aaron. It is National Hat Day. Here we are. Really? And it is. It is. I'm a hat wearer, so I follow these things. It's a very important holiday, so happy National Hat Day to you, Aaron. So does that mean that you are sporting your Bass Edge um, Richardson hat? or? Yeah, my Richardson 112. Okay. I got the Bass Edge on, right. and it, it, we're rocking it. I'm actually counting down the days. Today's just a big countdown all over. 64 days left till spring. Just FYI. Nice, nice. And, you know, being 368th episode, that's kind of special, too, because that means that Bass Edge Nation has heard me or you say 368 (laughs) times that Megaware Keelguard has been our longstanding partner for all things Bass Edge. Love those guys to death. I mean, uh, can't wait for, supposedly, Kurt, new products coming out, but we're hopefully the first to know and be able to to talk about that. But for all things Megaware. We are the first to know. We we are the first to know. We are the first. We got the sneak. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So all things Megaware, including the first do-it-yourself keel protector, the skate guard, the battery guard, right, the flex step, all of those things can be found at Megaware.com. Absolutely. Talking about new uh, partnerships, relationships, Aaron, heard you on the OutdoorCallRadio.com just recently. Yes, and also did a uh, special radio show that was a little bit different from the OutdoorCallRadio.com. And, of course, we're talking about the Outdoors Dan radio show. But, yes. uh, you know, Bass Edge is now featured as the uh, premier, I guess, fishing piece for the Outdoor Call Radio Network. There's an app. Be sure to go to your app store, get that downloaded, and uh, you can hear more of Bass Edge, but more of a lot of other things involved in the outdoors from hunting to cooking to a lot of different things, Kurt. So we're honored to be a part of that and want to welcome all of the outdoor call radio fans uh, from their end as well, because you can never get too much Kurt Dove. <laughs> Well, thank you, and I can never get too much Aaron Martin. (laughs) It's feeling is mutual. What we cannot get too much of also, Aaron, is Midway USA. We announced last episode the new 2022 partnership with MidwayUSA.com. That's right. We're going to give a $25 gift card to everybody that sends in a listener question that is chosen to be heard on the show. So be sure to go to BassEdge.com, tap the Ask the Pros tab, send in those listener questions. Or you can follow up on our Instagram, BassEdge.com Instagram, and our Bass Edge Facebook page. So you can fire those questions in there as well. And how is it, Aaron, that all this comes about? We've got to thank, last but not least, Bass Blaster, Jay Kumar over there, continuing to do just an awesome job. Appreciate him being partnership with Bass Edge and shooting out those uh, press releases, letting everybody know who those new guests are here every episode of Bass Edge Radio. Yeah, no doubt. And he does it in such a uh, fun, entertaining way. And I I just enjoy getting that little newsletter dropped in my inbox uh, two or three times a week. And uh, his style is second to none. Of course, Jay's relationship goes all the way back to the very beginning of Bass Edge. So always a treat when I see those pop into my inbox. That's right. Just go to BassBlaster.rocks sign up to get on that email train it's one that you want to be a part of for sure aaron here we go second episode of the year our second special guest for this time frame and um happy to have 
Chris Bunk showing up with us today at Bass Edge. We're going to go to the protecttheharvest.com tackle tip. Y'all stay tuned for more Bass Edge Radio. This episode's protecttheharvest.com tackle tip is MLF Pro Circuit Angler, Ty Al. Hi, this is Ty Al. Your tackle tip for today is to look for the clouds. The higher the clouds, the higher the barometric pressure, the lower the clouds, the lower the barometric pressure. When the barometric pressure is high, you're going to want to fish slow, methodical. And when the barometric pressure is decreasing or getting low, that's when you're going to want to pick up your reaction bait, your crankbait, your swimbait, anything loud, obnoxious, the strike zone's gotten bigger they're going to chase things down so make sure that you cover a lot of water and look for those fish with a reaction rod in your hand great tip ty there you go brought to you by protecttheharvest.com first by land and now by sea for years lucas oil has been a staple in high performance vehicles on both the road and track now from the makers of lucas oil comes lucas marine products specifically engineered for marine applications protect and lubricate your marine inboard outboard or high performance boat with lucas marine engine oil or lucas synthetic based oil learn more about the complete line of lucas oil and marine products visit lucasoil.com Nitro Performance Bass Boats. Get pro-level performance with the Nitro Z18, the official boat of Major League Fishing. Z18, with its nimble handling and versatility, sports many of the features in the larger boats in the line, like a Guardian Live Well, a heavily insulated cooler, dual 8-foot rod storage, and our smooth and fast NVT hull. Every Nitro boat is laid out to do one thing very well, catch fish. Enormous front decks up to 45 square feet on the Z21 allow maximum mobility when battling unruly bass and feature low-profile gunnels for ease of skipping, pitching, flipping, or landing fish. Nitro Performance Bass Boats, pure fishing machines. Well, Aaron, as promised, another special guest for this segment of the show. Man, had to have this guy on because he gives us a third-person insight on a few items we've been talking about for the last year or so and, and how really important they are. First being that 2022 Nitro Z21 that you're running around the lakes and maybe just as interesting, the power pole charge. Chris Bunk on the show. Great to have you with us today, Chris. Thanks, Kurt. Thanks, Aaron. Yeah, so like Kurt said, you know, Bass Edge Nation, I, we, Bass Edge Radio, we just thought it was it was important to give more or less a, a testimonial of, of things that we often promote and discuss on Bass Edge Radio. And, and certainly, you know, Chris, uh, you and I, I've, I've known you for, I don't know, 30 years, but uh, 25 anyway. You're not quite that old. But, you know, with you kind of running the new Nitro for several days last month, matter of fact, Kurt, I don't know if I told you this, I hate to say this, he actually broke it in for me. Um, really? <laughs> That's a lot of trust. I know. That's a lot of trust. I know. First time on the water. And here you go, Chris. Why don't you take the nitro and sling her around a little bit? (laughs) Well, you know, he's an engineer. I figure, uh, I mean, he certainly has the uh, mental bandwidth. But anyway, we... Uh, that, that just means he can fix it once he breaks it. Exactly. That's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's all insured, right? But, you know, just wanted, Chris, to get your thoughts on what were your first impressions of the uh, 2022 Nitro Z21? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, guys, for having me on the, on the show. First of all, number one, it's the best hole design yet. The Z21 XL, you know, had a great hole shot with that Mercury 250, the Pro XS four stroke. It was smooth and it was really a really stable ride, even in the rough water. 
I mean, it was awesome. Even, you know, all practice before the tournament, it was beautiful and sunny, calm. It was easy to get around, no boats on the water. You know, but the last day of the tournament, we had 25 plus mile hour winds. I mean, ripping up the channel in places. Had no problem getting around, moving around, getting back. Wasn't bounced around. We've all been in rough boats, right? But this was not one of them. Chris, you know, I, I ride a, also a White River Marine Group rig. It's a, it's a Ranger. But uh, one of the great things that Nitro also has is that big, wide deck. How was that platform while you're actually working the fish, going down the bank, working the deep water? How comfortable was just the fishing platform? Yeah, Kurt, that's right. That front deck is huge. It is fisherman friendly. The tackle storage, number one, and how the rod boxes in the middle are laid out with the split box down the middle. I, mean, I took a lot of tackle and I fit it all in there. But as far as moving around the boat, a lot of it's tackle, big. I would call that almost a problem. He sent me pictures of, of <laughs> when he loaded the boat up, and I think he had every. I think it looked like he raided a bait store. I had everything but ten inch uh, worms in there. I didn't figure I need them at Table Rock, but I pretty much had the garage in the boat, and it fit. That's awesome. Comfortability, a big key, and having everything you need, you know, from a mental perspective. Just, you know, it keeps you comfortable out there on the water. If you got an idea, you know it's with you, you can pick it up and give it a shot, new technique, whatever it is out there. So that's really important. Chris, I understand you are also amazed. We actually had Kurt Hill on from PowerPole earlier this year talking about the PowerPole charge system. Heard you were crazily impressed with what the charge system provides from a boat's power standpoint. Absolutely, Kurt. I mean, the powerful charge system, the thing that blew me away is I didn't have to plug it in at night. You know, let me explain. Uh, we were staying at a place at a resort that didn't want us plugging in our boats into the building, you know, due to insurance requirements. I was able to load the boat on the trailer after each day of fishing, park near the resort, and not have to worry about plugging in for the next day. Uh, I fished four straight days. And I was utilizing the Garmin LiveScope continuously, and that was really my main pattern. And I didn't plug into power for four days. I mean, how cool is that? Yeah, because I stayed down there. And it was not, even though it was a nice resort, Kurt, but it was not uh, necessarily angler-friendly with regards to plugging in boats. But the other thing right, that, right. that I appreciated, too, because, uh, um, you know, when I came down to meet up with these guys, and, and you know how all of us anglers are. We're all standing around in the parking lot, right? Well, I'm kind of the last one to the party because I've been working. Those guys have been fishing. And we loaded the, what is it, Chris, the Sea Monster app. And we started messing with that. Right. And then being able yep. to control, Kurt, how you can transfer power or where the priority charge goes. Um, yes. Very, very fascinating because, you know, the life scope runs off of the cranking battery. So the cranking battery, that pulls a lot of juice, right? But very interesting on how that app and you're able to switch that just throughout the day. Well, I was just going to mention too, yeah, you know, Chris talked about not plugging in for a couple of days. And, uh, you know, the, the reason that you can do that is because of that app, because you know exactly where you're at as far as percentage of battery, what kind of juice you got, what's been maintained throughout the day. And then when you come back at the end of the day, you didn't have to, you know, in this resort situation, which big bummer, let's call them out. No, let's not. <laughs> but but uh, anyway, you know what your power management is. You know where you're at. So Chris didn't have to worry about, oh my God, man, I can't plug in. Am I going to have enough juice for the next day? All he had to do was look at the app and be like, dude, I'm at 94% or 89% or 85%. I got plenty of juice for the next day. So um, really, really critical part of that power pole charge system. Absolutely, Kurt. You know, and the thing that I didn't practice, I was on the trolling motor a lot during practice. So we, I had all the power going to the trolling batteries. 
and I was live scoping, but I wasn't necessarily fishing for tournament fish. So I was, I was finding them, trying to find them. But during the tournament, we switched it to throw all that juice when the big motor is running to the starting battery where the live scope was connected. And I could watch that graph all day long and watch that voltage all day long. You know, it got down to 12.4, 12.3. I could start to see some grains in the screen. I could just fire the big motor up and run another spot and be back up to 12.7, 12.8 and keep going. It was awesome. That's great to hear, man. Guys, it's so awesome to hear, like you mentioned, Aaron, at the top of this thing, you know, testimonials from products that we try to educate Bass Edge Nation about. And then having a guy like Chris, third-party person, just come in after he ran, Aaron, your rig for several days at an event and just kind of express the true operational functions of these yeah, products. Well, I, I got to be honest, though, Kurt. You know, it was it was selfishly motivated. I was hoping some of his two-time co-angler of the year was going to rub, <laughs> rub some good mojo on my boat. But, uh, yeah, I haven't got to get in it yet. So, anyway. Well, Chris, uh, again, thanks for carving out time. Also, just, you know, thanks for uh, giving some some honest feedback and, and, and messing with that for the four days that you had it but awesome to hear that perspective like kurt had mentioned but all right guys we uh we've got to keep moving on as we've got the lucas oil angler spotlight is next right here on bass edge radio hang tight this is mlf pro circuit title champion jimmy washam this is professional angler andrew upshaw this is bass elite series champion brian schmidt this is bass open champion nick lebrun right here on bass edge radio Know the importance of protecting your investments. So why use anything else other than the original and toughest DIY keel protector for your boat? MegaWare Keel Guard. Grinding sand, abrasive rocks, and concrete ramps are no match for our exclusive contoured edge and patented technology. MegaWare Keel Guard keel protectors are made tough and made to stick. Their do-it-yourself installation takes less than an hour, providing the longest-lasting, most dependable keel protection for your boat. Guaranteed for life. Developed specifically by boat builders, offering the best keel protection in the industry. Also for MegaWare Keel Guard, Skeg Guard, FlexStep Pro, and Pontoon Guard. So give your boat the performance edge. Put on the protection the pros pick. MegaWare Keel Guard. In this second Lucas Oil Angler Spotlight of the Year, we're going to dive deep into some more recent tournament success. Recent being, of course, just there at the end of 2021. That was on the water, you know, obviously prior to these Christmas holidays and the new year. This time, Aaron, from your local events there in Missouri, we chatted about the anticipation of Oak Outdoors fishing event on the podcast and previous episodes, and it was very, very well received, likely now maybe to be in the form of a series for the 2022 season. But before we get there, let's chat with the event winner this past December, Jeff Epley. Welcome to Bass Edge Radio, Jeff. We appreciate you joining us. Thanks for having me. Well, Jeff, you know, word on the street is that uh, the Oak Outdoors, this was kind of a pretty big deal for local anglers with several full-time pros, you know, in the field. And this was one event that I would have loved to fish. I chose not to. And I'm actually kind of glad I did when I saw the roster that was on there. You know, I donate a lot of money in other areas, so it just didn't seem uh, right to have to do it again. But, you know, congratulations, like Kurt said, but kind of anxious to hear what your thought was after pulling out the win with incentive money and everything, a $17,000 payday off of a $400 entry fee. Yes, it was very unbelievable. You know, when I entered, I had no idea who the other competitors would be. 
until the uh, vote numbers come out. And I looked down that list, and I thought, you know, this has turned into a pretty big deal. You know, the event that you guys had put together up here. And, you know, we haven't had one of this magnitude in a while for actually quite a few years. And uh, it was just a great event. It was very well run. Uh, and it was just a lot of fun. The time of the year couldn't have been better. Jeff, how was it out there sitting? You, you saw those anglers list, as you mentioned, some names like uh, Cody Hoff did really well in the event. You had uh, Bradley Hallman in the event, Jeremy Lawyer. I saw uh, some of Hibdens, Chad Morgan Thaler, a lot of full-time pros out there. What did it feel like before you took off that morning? Did you have the same uh, kind of anticipation that you did when you registered or was it, was it hyped up for you a little bit? Well, after my uh, four days of practice for this event, I was just hoping to catch a bass. <laughs> yes, no joke, <laughs> no joke. That's, that's basically how it went. Uh, you know, I've seen lots of people fishing deep along with myself. And then I see who's in this event, and those guys are very well-respected and very well-known bass catchers. And, you know, and it's great to be able to compete against guys like that occasionally. And, you know, we find some success. Exactly. Well, you, you mentioned there, you know, you had a tough practice. What type of pattern did you find developing? It was kind of, you know, that fall to winter transition period there on Table Rock. Well, what was in my mind from the very beginning, because I live relatively close to Table Rock Lake. I'm not very far away. And normally in the month of December, going shallow is just what I like to do. It's my style of fishing. I can cover more water. I'm more efficient for me versus setting out there dropping on them. And I really couldn't tell if the fish was coming or going out of the creek, but I knew where they was and it was right in the middle of it. Just, and that's where they was. And the first morning I pulled in there and within, you know, 45 minutes, I had my limit and had about probably 17 pounds in the first 45 minutes. And I thought, okay, this is going to work pretty good today. You know, and then the bite just got better and better as the day went on and uh, ended up creating up to, you know, the 19 whatever it was uh, the first day and uh, it was just one of those magical days that everything went right lost one fish the entire tournament it was dialed in you knew exactly where to go and what cast to make so jeff were you you know when you said that the bait and the fish were predominantly located in the middle because you are correct there was a lot of guys and, and i only got to go out on the water one day during that week of, of your practice down there but it seemed like there were a lot of anglers focusing kind of on that deep and when i say deep to put it in perspective you know you might be setting out 80 to 100 foot of water you know fishing for these moving schools that were kind of moving at a rapid pace is that the pattern that, that you followed or were you pushing to the backs or did you find them more on the bank how did that transpire where i had found my better quality fish was like halfway back in the creek but on the bank i had guys fishing around me for two days there was not a single soul on the bank with me for two days and i was around guys every creek i went to they're all out there dropping on them. And, you know, and I was doing that too, you know, in practice and, and I'd done some in the, in the derby, but the quality was not out there. Right. Uh, right. Six of the 10 fish that I weighed was smallmouth. Wow. And that's, that, that's what made the difference. And I don't think, you know, there may be people that don't realize the quality of smallmouth that's in Table Rock Lake, but those are some big, big fish. 
that yes. are roaming around at that place. You betcha. And, and, you know, let me tack on to that. You know, the reason why the committee picked that December date was first off, there was not a lot going on, right? It was a, it was trying to draw the hundred, you know, a hundred of the best anglers. In it, and I think it did its job on that, but also just the excitement of thinking that, you know, anglers would have an opportunity to go fish, whatever they like to do. And, you know, maybe throwing a wiggle board, throwing a jig, but as practice developed and talking with a lot of the anglers, it was tough on a lot of guys. Yeah. I kind of heard the same thing. When I went and practiced those four trips, I made two casts up shallow, and I caught one smallmouth about 13 inches long. And I knew right then that was going to be enough. I didn't need to throw anymore. And uh, so I just kept looking for something deep and deep and deeper and deeper. And uh, I just couldn't find anything that suited me. And the wind was blowing Saturday morning. The conditions set up right, and it worked out. It worked out pretty good. Jeff, you talk about fishing shallow. What kind of techniques did you rely on during this event? I threw a crankbait the entire time, the entire time. That's every fish I weighed. Well, nine of the 10 was caught on a crankbait. The last fish on Sunday at three o'clock, I went to a creek and picked up a jig and caught my biggest fish on Sunday. You know, it was just a few minutes left before weigh-in. We talk about crankbait fishing a lot here on the show. Is it one of those deals where you had to make contact with the bottom? Were you fishing, you know, more shallow, like zero to five, mid-depth, five to ten, or or getting down there a little bit deeper on some of those steeper drops there at Table Rock off the bank where you can throw a, a deeper dive and crankbait and still be on the bank? How was your setup going with that, and what worked out best for you that week? It's actually kind of strange because I was setting – my boat was between 18 to 20 foot of water the entire time, and I was throwing a shallow running crankbait. So I wasn't necessarily hitting the bottom. I had just found where the fish was setting. They was kind of suspended up just a little bit. But the corners of boat docks was a big, big key. I could catch keepers just going down the bank, but when I would get to the corners of the boat docks, that's where the bigger fish was. Seemed like every corner that I would stop on, it would be a three-plus pounder. Did it seem to matter, Jeff, as far as bottom composition, or did there need to be, like, pole timber in the area, or was it just more of the overhead cover? It was just mixed rock. That's all it was, gravel to chunk, you know, up around the front corners of the docks. That was the main ticket. Overall conditions, Jeff, were they pretty sunny? Do you feel like the fish were just utilizing, you know, those docks kind of as ambush points, uh, you know, staying in the shade, and then you're running that crankbait, that bait fish, you know, by the corners of those docks, and they would just come out and ambush? And conversely, do you feel like those fish were coming from the bank early in the morning and setting up on those docks? Because it, it seemed like you mentioned the, the bite continued to be good throughout the entire day even though you you sacked them up pretty quickly or do you feel like those were fish that those other anglers were targeting out offshore you know kind of in the middle of the creeks that were then kind of sucking up into those docks on those conditions i believe that these fish were setting out in the deeper water looking at the bank they was looking towards the shallow water they wasn't necessarily up there because i would say 95% of the fish that I caught, my bait was never on the bottom. It was hitting nothing. It was really strange because I've only done this one other time where I've stumbled into this, and it's been a long, long time ago. This was even more strange because of the depth that I was setting. The bait I was throwing is only about an 8 to 10-foot running bait. You know, and those fish was quite a ways off the corners of them docks, you know, where you was hitting that 12 to 14-foot, 15-foot, and that's when they would come up and get it. 
and they would hit it so hard that you didn't know if you'd stuck on a cable <laughs> if you stuck under a rock and you just have to sit there and just hold your rod just to see if the tent started moving. That's you awesome. And, uh, yeah, it was, it, it was, it was very interesting, very interesting how it worked out. It was. And I mean, very impressive too. Jeff, last episode, January 1st, uh, we had the pleasure of having the two gentlemen that won the million dollars uh, for the U.S. Open on Table Rock. Very odd that we have two shows back-to-back that's both uh, pretty big winners on Table Rock. But I, I want your opinion on this because Kurt and I have spent a lot of time and talking with a lot of anglers. You know, the forward-facing sonars is the the big rage right now because it allows you to see things that we couldn't ordinarily see in real time. Do you think the combination between the forward-facing sonar and kind of like that previous win of the U.S. Open, do you think that that just put people to where now they're focusing more on the depths and the shallow fish are receiving more pressure? Or was it just people just thought that uh, the fish up shallow weren't weren't responding? Because I think you kind of had that area and the shallows to yourself. I did. That forward-facing sonar has changed so much in this. I've had mine for about three years now. And I use it, you know, on a regular basis. And I use it up shallow a lot, too. I mean, I use it a lot up shallow. And it helps me identify, you know, just an isolated Christmas tree that somebody stowed in there or a rock that may be 10 or 12 foot deep. It does help up shallow. But I believe the shallow pressure, I don't think it's near like it used to be. Because when you can go out there and see a big school of them, why wouldn't you go out there and try to catch them? I'm not efficient enough doing that to catch the bigger quality fish, you know, them four and five pound blacks. I've yet to accomplish that. I'm usually a Kentucky catcher when I'm out there. Great stuff, Jeff. Hey, we're going to pause for a quick moment, power polling down to take a break. Jeff, hold here for just a moment. We're going to be back talking some winter bass and discussions with Oak Outdoors champion, Jeff Epley. Patented in 2000, perfected over years of testing and real-world punishment, the Power Pole is the ultimate shallow-water boat positioning tool. Swift, Power Pole deploys in seconds from anywhere in your boat. Virtually silent, Power Pole won't spook wary fish. Secure in strong currents or gusting winds in up to 8 feet of water. Engineered to take it with a lifetime unconditional replacement guarantee on the spike. Power Pole, swift, silent, secure. Visit PowerPole.com to find a dealer near you. Bass Edge Radio presented in part by Mercury Marine returns with Oak Outdoors Angler Champion Jeff Epley in the Lucas Oil Angler Spotlight. That's right, Lucas Oil High Performance Marine Products. Be sure to visit the BassEdge.com store for all Lucas products. It works. Jeff, that was a great first half interview, really talking and breaking down that table rock win at the Oak Outdoors fishing event. You know, juggling tournament competition, especially for a weekend angler, can be very tough. Aaron, you know, in our pre-discussion, he was kind of uh, taken back, I guess, a little bit of all the things that you had going on. Felt it would be great to share to Bass Edge Nation um, that tournament winners – can't always put 100% into the event because they've got so much going on, especially from, you know, weekend anglers like yourself. Can you elaborate to the listeners first what you juggle and then how you juggle other things going on in your life but still be a successful tournament competitor? Well, I am a full-time real estate agent. Uh, I do have a farm that I run. We have grandkids that we chase around pretty regular. We just have a lot of stuff going on on a regular basis. 
And my life has always been that way. You know, I've always been just kind of the local, just fish the stuff that's, you know, within a couple hours driving distance from where sure. I live. And, uh, and there's tons and tons of people out there that do that. If there's any one piece of advice that I could give to guys who are doing that, you know, they can't pre-fish for this one. They go out there and, they, you know, they lay an egg. And then the next one, you know, they get a little check or whatever. Just take time to enjoy God's creation. Don't lose sight Absolutely. of what you're doing because there is very few people that's ever going to make a living at it. So, you know, don't get so wrapped up in an event or, you know, the things that you don't enjoy it anymore. If you can get that behind you, for me, I fish calmer, I fish slower, and I have a lot more success. That is probably the biggest thing that helps me in my fishing is just don't get wound up in it. Just enjoy the day. That's great advice, Jeff. Aaron, let me interject real quickly. You know, I hear a lot of times that anglers are hesitant to, uh, you know, kind of jump into some events because they feel like everyone else is out there practicing so much more than them and, and able to concentrate so much more on, on maybe an event or a competition or a series of events. But um, I think you wrapped it up there really plainly is just go out, have fun, just like on a national tournament competition. When it's your time, it's kind of your time. And I feel like that's the same way with local competition. If you put the fundamentals to work and uh, put in the time and enjoy the process and follow that process, you're going to have the success as you've seen, Jeff. Well, earlier this year, not to bring up previous tournaments, but earlier this year, uh, Boatworks, which was one of the sponsors of the Oak Outdoors, put on a stick bait only tournament. That's all it was, just stick baits, and that was it. My partner and I, we hadn't been on Table Rock Lake in seven or eight months. We just went up there and went fishing. Sure. And we was fortunate, and we was fortunate enough to come out on top. We had a monstrous day, and we caught tons of big bass, and it was the same concept. We was just having fun. We just went fishing. And, right, right. And so, you know, it just kind of goes back to even if you can't get out there and burn, you know, 75 gallons of gas and spend all your week's wages on baits, don't worry about it. So do what you like to do and enjoy the day. Jeff, that is great advice. And I'm, I'm laughing. I'm not laughing at you. I'm, I'm laughing because Kurt and I spend so much time just talking with successful anglers like yourself and, you know, just that mental emotional component. And of course, you know, we've talked about it many times through Dr. Jay McNamara's book, The Psychology of Exceptional Fishing, but so many times we get it wrong, myself included, you know, we're supposed to use the outdoors as a release, right? Getting me at least getting away from, you know, the monotony of regular work and things like that and go and enjoy it and often do the exact opposite. I'm all charged up and you know running around breaking rods and you know throwing baits and in practice if you can just fish the same way in a tournament that you do in practice or fun fishing you marriage those two together like you speak of good things happen and sometimes your bank account goes up in the process it does it's been a very big blessing to me when i made that shift a few years ago probably five six years ago you know it took me a while 25 30 years of fishing to figure out hey don't be like that calm down and ever since then, you know, whenever you load up at the end of the day, you're just as happy going home as you was when you showed up. Yes, and sir. And you're not wound up and, and upset. So that's, that's right. You know, my wife always told me, Diana and the girls, when they would come to a weigh-in, they're like, we could tell what kind of day you've had when we saw you come inside the no-wake buoys. And I did, <laughs> I've done my best to remove that, to have a poker face now to where you can't tell what. <laughs> I, I guess I am I guess I wear my emotions on my sleeve is what they're telling me, Jeff. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, well, 
let's uh let's shift gears a little bit jeff i'm curious if you could throw out the bass edge nation you know here we are mid-january some places already have ice and that kind of stuff they can't even get on their lakes but for those of us that can across the nation what are some of your favorite winter techniques that seem to be consistent during this time of year? Normally for me, um, the area where we live down here in the White River chain in the mid part of the there, it's a crankbait year-round and a stick bait. I'd love to catch them on a stick bait and a crankbait. And the last winter down here when we had that 19, 20 below for two or three weeks, it really kind of made a mess of things for quite a while. It, it sucked it through the whole cycle of the spring fishing off. But as a general rule, as long as that water's not froze over, they'll bite a crankbait. You may have to reel it a little faster, but they'll bite it. Jeff, let's dive into that a little bit. You say the colder the water, they'll still bite the crankbait, but you might have to reel it a little bit faster. Kind of explain yeah. and go into that. I think most anglers are going to think, well, it's getting colder. The fish are more lethargic. You might have to use a slower presentation. But you said throw that crankbait a little bit faster. Dive into that a little bit deeper for the listeners. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of people probably think I'm kind of crazy on this one. But when the water gets really cold, I'll throw my crankbait on a 9-to-1 speed reel and turn the handle as Whoa. fast as I can stand to turn it to catch those fish. It creates a reaction strike, and it is a bite unlike anything that you'll ever get a hold of when they get a hold of it. And you can cover so much more water by doing that. What type of banks are you concentrating when you're doing this in this time of year, Jeff? Are you looking for sheer bluff banks, 45-degree banks, you know, banks that come out on a flat and are close to deep water? What kind of areas are you looking for that work best with this technique? Yeah, mostly what I look for is flat gravel banks with a little bit of deep water you know, off one side. But it's nothing spectacular. It's whatever you would do in the month of March, you can do it in January. You don't get as many bites doing it now. we got to keep that in perspective. You're not going to go out there and catch 50 fish a day. But when you catch one, these lives will be a pretty good one. Jeff, breaking down the fish, you know, through this time of year, sometimes they get a little bit scattered. You talk about throwing that crankbait quickly. How do you kind of manage finding fish when they're scattered throughout the time of year, you know, this time of year, bait fish kind of everywhere, middle of the creek channels, some up shallow. You talk about catching some fish on the crankbait. How do you manage that mentally? Is it just what you said earlier where you might not get 40 or 50 bites? You're only looking for some better quality fish and that's your progression, or kind of break that down for us, if you will. Well, my style of fishing, the way that I like to fish, is I'm just a shallow guy. I mean, I'm just, I like shallow fishing. Now, you know, as the water starts to warm a little bit, starts creeping up, back up into the 50s, and you can see it going up each day, that's whenever I'll back out there a little bit with a stick bait, you know, on some of the gravel that we have here. You know, you may be sitting out off the bank two or 300 yards with a stick bait and are able to catch some of those fish. The forward-facing sonar, you can see them. When you see them, you can catch them. It's pretty simple whenever they start moving in for the spawn. As far as, you know, just the breaking it down, it's all about the conditions. If the wind's blowing, you'll see me on the bank. If it's calm, you'll see me off the bank. And it's pretty much that simple. It's not rocket science. I used to make this really, really hard on myself, thinking that, you know, you had to fish every type of structure that was out there. But you don't. You pick the one that you like and you make it work. That's pretty much how every fishing trip goes for me. It's just like that. I just look up in the sky, whatever the wind's doing, the sun's doing, well, I decide what I'm doing at that point in time. Wow. 
you know, not to oversimplify, <laughs> Jeff, but obviously something's working, you know. <laughs> so very, very impressive. Hey, before Kurt takes us to the listener question, I just want to get your thoughts on a piece here. There's talk about the uh, Oak Outdoors perhaps going into kind of a few tournament type series. What do you think it means for regional areas and the payback? You know, it, it seems to be pretty exceptional for a $400 entry fee. Well, you know, it provides a premium. I mean, that's a premium event for the local guys with an early cutoff, which, you know, makes a big difference as far as who enters. And the 100-man field is just great. That is a very nice uh, twist to this circuit, you know, with the guarantees and everything that they do. But for me, what I see is some of the sponsors that jumped on board, you know, in just the weeks leading up to it and sanctioned these events, there's a lot of sponsors that ought to be looking at this particular circuit for this part of the country as a tier one event because it is a premium event with really, really good quality individuals that are out there fishing. And you will always be full. I don't know why you would ever be less than 100 anglers in that. So, you know, my thought is, yeah. Put it together. It will be a huge success for this area. All right. Great stuff, Jeff, man. We're looking forward to uh, hopefully having that happen and uh, maybe having some more Oak Outdoors champions here on Bass maybe, Edge Kurt, Radio. Maybe we'll get you up there to fish one. Hey, I'm in. <laughs> All right. I'm in. <laughs> Let, let's see the schedule. If it, if it works for me, dude, that'd be awesome. I'd be stoked. I'd like to meet Jeff in person and uh, fish against you on the water, Aaron. I think that'd be awesome. So, uh, okay. Seeds laid. It's already growing. All right, Jeff. <laughs> we got a listener question segment brought to us by Nitro Performance Bass Boats. If you could tackle this one for us, it'd be awesome. This question comes from Rick Harris of Marble Falls, Texas. Rick asks, fishing Alabama rigs. Do you prefer braid or fluorocarbon and why? And then how do you determine what size jig head should be connected to your swim baits? Well, the Alabama rig for me is a 100% braid. If that bass is going to be big enough to bite that, I want enough leverage to get him in. So I'm a braid guy. I know a lot of guys aren't, but for me, braid, again, I fish relatively shallow. So with that, you know, I'll use a 16th ounce head at times. Pretty light. Uh, eighth ounce is probably about the heaviest I will ever throw when I'm fishing that, when the Alabama rig. Just one of those baits that it catches big fish, and it will catch a lot of fish. If you can handle it all day, you can catch them on it. Yeah, it's, it's it can be tough to handle sometimes. Jeff, what size braid do you throw when you're throwing the A-Rig? Obviously, gamut of sizes and, and line diameter changes significantly from them, you know, from, you know, let's say, 20-pound braid to 65-pound braid. What's your yeah. preference, and, and why do you go that route? I'm a 65-pound braid guy. For the simple fact, those Alabama rigs are expensive. And when they're in trees, I want to be able to straighten the hooks out of my bait to get it back because I can replace a head pretty easy. And that 65 pounds seems to be, uh, you know, for castability, it works for me. It's just my preference. It's what I like, and it's worked for a lot of years. Well, good stuff there, Jeff, and I appreciate you answering that question for Rick. Rick, remember, mm -hmm. we need one more thing from you, and that is to simply log on to BassEdge.com, click the Claim Your Prize tab, fill out the information, and we are going to uh, basically give you free money, and that is a gift certificate. You've heard us talk about it all, <laughs> yes. uh, all these episodes here leading up to it from Midway USA, where you can get just about everything from shooting, hunting, and the outdoors. And a reminder to continue firing in those questions. You can do that to our website, BassEdge.com. Simply click the Ask the Pro tab. I'll submit it right to us. 
Also, you can go to our social media. You'll see several posts on there where we ask if you've got a question you'd like to hear on the show. If your question is chosen, you'll receive another $25 gift card from Midway USA right here through Bass Edge Radio. Well, Jeff, great having you on Bass Edge Radio. Uh, really appreciate the in-depth and, and quite honestly, just appreciate the simplicity of how you put winning weights together already, like I said, twice in uh, 2021 and hopefully 2022 brings you more of the same. Any closing thoughts as we begin to shut down? You know, the only closing thought that I would have to the listeners and, and anybody else out there is just don't get so wrapped up in the winning and the catching and the losing that you lose sight of what we've been given to be able to enjoy as we go through this life on earth. It's a fantastic thing and it's meant to be enjoyed and it's not something that we need to be getting upset about if we don't catch that fish that day. It's just not worth it. Enjoy it. Have fun. Just catch lots of fish. That's awesome advice, Jeff. We appreciate you being here on the show. It's great to meet you and uh, hope you keep stacking up those W's. Y'all stay tuned. Aaron and I will return with some final thoughts on Bass Edge Radio. You know the importance of protecting your investments, so why use anything else other than the original and toughest DIY keel protector for your boat, MegaWare Keel Guard. Grinding sand, abrasive rocks, and concrete ramps are no match for our exclusive contoured edge and patented technology. MegaWare Keel Guard keel protectors are made tough and made to stick. Their do-it-yourself installation takes less than an hour, providing the longest-lasting, most dependable keel protection for your boat, guaranteed for life. Developed specifically by boat builders, offering the best keel protection in the industry. Also for MegaWare Keel Guard, Skeg Guard, Flex Step Pro, and Pontoon Guard. So give your boat the performance edge. Put on the protection the pros pick. MegaWare Keel Guard. The PowerPole Charge Marine Power Management Station is the most advanced system of its kind available on the market. It does the work of three devices, a traditional battery charger, a charge on the run, and an emergency start system all in one compact unit. The charge lets you run your boat's accessories the way you want to run them by allowing you to monitor and control your power usage through the PowerPole app. It automatically devotes power to the batteries that need it the most for maximum efficiency. The new charge from PowerPole. Power where you need it, power how you need it, power when you need it. Well, Kurt, name notoriety of Jeff Epley might not be as, you know, popular per se as, as some of the other anglers that we had, but that certainly doesn't take away from his winnings and what he accomplished at the Oak Outdoors amongst those that do have more of the name notoriety. But one of the things that stuck out to me, Kurt, was when he mentioned about that nine to one gear ratio, reeling a crankbait as fast as you can in January. Yeah, that's blistering speed. Oddly enough, I've heard of this before, but you know, it's kind of one of those things that you hear. But when Jeff said it, I was like, oh my God, I've heard somebody say this before. And it's a deal, obviously, that some anglers are taking advantage of that you and I probably need to put in perspective and go out there and try it. (laughs) Yeah, it's just just hard, like you mentioned in the interview. It's, It's hard when you're standing out there all bundled up and can't feel your fingers you know, to go and start reeling faster. You know, you're, I yep. think everything in my brain tells me the opposite. Right. And, and I think the key too, is it, it's, 
you know how you get into those moments where you're on a pattern and you see it happening over and over again, but it's not that you're getting a lot of bites. But if you stick with it, you catch good quality fish. It seems like Jeff, you know, kind of related to that. This isn't a technique where you're going to go catch, you know, 20 or 30 bass in a day. But the eight bites or so that you might get after an eight-hour day fishing this type of pattern are going to be the right quality fish from a tournament perspective or if you're just out there looking to catch a big lunker. So uh, I thought it was a great uh, show oh, totally. Uh, it was fun to have Jeff on the phone. You know, And you're right, maybe not the same name notoriety as uh, a typical Bass Edge podcast show, but uh, nonetheless, some great techniques can learn so much from so many anglers out there jeff's another great example of that yeah for sure his demeanor you know just so calm and then also uh just really doesn't like the spotlight and right, uh, right. so just uh what a humble guy great ambassador for the sport but hey kurt we are at the end of episode 368 already uh heading into the month of february for 2022 it's been fun off to a great start looking forward to certainly that february 1st episode which will be episode 369 but in the meantime time hopefully people can get out there and enjoy uh some fishing during the cooler months and stay uh, bundled up yeah be warm wear layers really important wear those layers for sure anyway for kurt dove i am aaron martin and we look forward to seeing all of you right here on another episode episode 369 february 1st of bass edge radio is presented by MegaWare KeelGuard. For more information on Bass Edge or to shop at the Bass Edge online store, visit BassEdge.com and be sure to join Kurt Dove and Aaron Martin right here on another episode of The Edge. Brought to you in part by Nitro Boats, Lucas Oil, ProtectTheHarvest.com, Midway USA, Mercury Marine, PowerPole, and Transport Graphics.